welcome everybody to the next part of uh, today's uh, pensions conference. Um, it's good to see that you all came back. Um, um, I'd like to introduce you to our next speaker. Um, uh, he'll be speaking on uh, a subject which I have no doubt um, is one where you're all sitting on and waiting on pins and needles uh, to, to hear about, um, the disciplinary framework um, of, of, of the Actuarial Society. Um, Neil will be speaking to that subject. Neil Furry is uh, somebody that I'm sure most of you know. Uh, he's the public policy actuary of the Actuarial Society of South Africa. He's a registered retirement fund valuator. Um, he's a chartered enterprise risk actuary, as well as a fellow of the Actuarial Society of South Africa. In his role at the Actuarial Society, he's responsible for coordinating the various technical committees, engagement with the regulator, as well as local and international stakeholder engagement. He also serves on the Society's Professional Matters Board. Um, something that I'm sure you're not all aware of, uh, but uh, Neil over the weekend turned 30. Um, so I'd like us all to sing to Neil. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Neil. Happy birthday to you. Hip hip. Hip hip. Neil, I bet you never thought that you'd get a, a room full of actuaries singing your happy birthday at a conference. So without further ado, let me introduce Neil to you. Thanks. Amazing. Thanks, guys. I feel honored. It's probably the first time in history. So I really feel honored. So they usually give me the interesting, nice topics to talk about, usually code of conduct or disciplinary process and so on. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad they gave me a nice topic again. And um, it's going to be interactive, so please, people, use your remotes and so on. And, and uh, yeah, I think uh, some of you, you will learn something today. And it's actually interesting, probably out of the various groupings, we get probably the most um, disciplinary complaints against consulting and, and, and pensions, actually. And I think it's probably because... Um, Pension savings and so on, it's actually so personal, uh, personal. so I think um, it's, it's, it's uh, something that, that we all need to know about. So let's see what we'll be covering today. So firstly, we'll focus on the code, and the code is our main professionalism document. So for instance, if, if someone um, brings a, a complaint against a, a fellow, We'll refer them to the code and, and we'll ask them to, to, to look at the code and say which of the points did they actually uh, um, break. So that, that, that's our, our main reference point. And then you'll, we'll just look at the, at the actuarial society structure so that you can see just where the professional matters board, the disciplinary committee and the AGB where, where uh, it fits in. And then we'll go into some more details on the disciplinary framework and at the end if we've still got time, uh, I think, uh, yeah, then we might get to the case study. If we, if we don't get to the case study, that's, that's also fine, and, and you can come and speak to me later on. So just uh, the code, it, it applies to all members, um, regardless of whether you're a student or a fellow member, and it replaced, you probably all remember, the professional conduct standard. So the code came in in July 2012, and... Like I mentioned earlier, it is our main professionalism document, so you should read it. And um, if you're using the analogy of the tree, 
the the code is is the trunk and all the other auxiliary guidance is basically the branches. So you actually you should read it. And we've got a a robust professional regulation framework, and um, you can also it's it's on our website. You can see where everything fits together, our professional uh, guidance notes, and all all those type of things. So having said this, um, please use your remotes and. Uh, let me know who of you have read the code. And I think you should, yeah, you know, is that, okay. Only start voting when you see the, like, the, starting, the countdown starts. Sure, okay. That's uh, not a good stat. Usually when people raise their hands, we don't see a lot of people raise their hands who haven't read it, but it's anonymous today, so we've actually... See, people are, are telling the truth. So, the, but the code is actually, it's a very intuitive document. And uh, the actual text is, I think it's about four or five pages. So if you haven't read it, please, people, go read it. Um, but it basically, it consists out of three areas. The first one is on knowledge and expertise. So obviously, if you're an actuary and you, you're an expert in, or you say you're an expert in, in a certain area, you need to to be able to show your, your knowledge and expertise. The second thing is just on values and behavior. If you're a professional, obviously we expect you to, to behave in a certain way. And then the final one on professional accountability, just saying you will be, be held accountable. Um, we've got a disciplinary process in place and we're also uh, accountable to, to the public. So the, the, the public interest is also something that, that we focus on. So the actuarial society structure, I know you, some of you might have seen the slide. We've got quite a, quite a complex structure. But just on the, on the disciplinary side, so we've got the, the AGB here, and we'll, we'll touch a bit more on, on that later in the slide. And the disciplinary committee and the AGB work quite closely together, and then we've got the professional matters board that, that owns and looks after the code, and, and obviously the council... Um, which gives guidance to all, all the boards and the committees. So let's start with the disciplinary framework. Now, um, I personally actually don't have, have a lot to do with the disciplinary process. Um, Vim Els, um, he actually drives the disciplinary process from SSide, uh, but unfortunately his mum passed away last week, so he's, we would have actually um, we would have, um, done a joint session today. So you get information secondhand from me, but hopefully I'll, everything that he told me is, is, is correct. I assume so. So um, firstly, just getting back to the questions again. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I think there might actually be a few people in the room who's had a complaint against them, but let's, let's see what the stats say. Not saying that you're a scruffy crowd, but... Um, Okay, so about 10% of people in the room has actually had a complaint against them. Okay, so let's see, next question. Were you found guilty or innocent? Just that the guy next to you, you don't see your voting button. So, okay, 5% were found guilty. Did you cry? We've got tissues on the table. <laughs> oh, uh, you can vote on that one. 
almost cry. It's uh... sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just a final one before I go forward. Do you think if you've been through the process, do you think the process is fair and robust? Okay, that looks good. So let's see, after, after I've, done, I've gone through the framework and how it works, I'll ask the same question and I'll see if I was able to convince a few people. So um, basically in the disciplinary process, um, we've got two bodies involved. We've got the AGB and the, and the disciplinary committee. So let's first focus on the AGB. I see Christo Gaia is also here in the room, so uh, maybe talk to him afterwards. Um, so the AGB is responsible for the disciplinary process and they actually uh, draft the process and they monitor the implementation thereof and they, they're an independent external body and they report to, 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 to council on, a, on an annual basis. And just where, where it comes from, you all remember and in our notes and so on we read about the, the equitable life, um, the collapse in the UK. And we've all heard about the Morris Review. And the Morris Review suggested that there should be some sort of external uh, um, supervision for the profession. And in South Africa, we also had uh, accusations made against ACTIES. Most of them were uh, pensions, pensions related and a lot related to, to, to surplus apportionment and so on. And self-regulation of the profession came... Uh, um, came under scrutiny. So that's, that's the, the origins of, of the AGB. So just the, the composition of the, of the AGB. So um, it consists out of a maximum of six members and the majority needs to be non-actuaries. Um, so we need to have at least one fellow with um, at least 15 years post-qualification experience. So I've almost got 15 post-matric years experience, so I, I can't serve on this uh, yet. Then we've got someone from the general council of the bar. You need someone to pour the drinks as well. Um, then uh, we've got someone from SICA, someone from the FSB, and then two additional members may be uh, co-opted uh, onto the board. They may serve a maximum of four years and uh, two consecutive terms may be served and then they actually need to retire. So the current members of the AGB, we've got uh, Christu here, uh, we've got uh, TN Abu Baker, Louis Vessels from the FSB, uh, uh, Tom, it's Tom not Om, I see his T fell, I don't know how it happened, um, but he's from Saika. And then we've got Reg uh, Munro and Justice, Justice Rolf Zulman. So uh, you can see it's a, it's a formidable uh, board of individuals. Some of them have been CEOs and non-executive directors and so on. So it's uh, real high caliber people. They've even got their own logo there. Um, I don't know, Krista, where you were the day when the photos were taken. But it seems like I work is because so the council of the bar, I don't know if he was... Uh, Okay, so then uh, the disciplinary committee. So you've, we've got the AGB. They actually drafted the process. They monitor the implementation. But now we've got the disciplinary committee, and they actually they 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 manage the investigations and they take the process forward. 
but the disciplinary committee they don't actually do the investigations themselves because obviously um, there might be areas that 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 the investigation needs to be done, but it's not the area of expertise. So uh, they'll appoint one or more investigators, depending on on actually how complex the case uh, actually is. Um, and uh, then the committee will consider the findings of the investigator. We've got, like I mentioned, Vim Els. He's the person from, from the society side who actually engages between the, the, the complainant and the respondent and the, and the disciplinary committee. So, but he's not, he's not on, the, on the committee itself. So, um, and then the, the committee consists out of, of six members, um, at least two non-actuaries. The majority needs to be actuaries. And they may also uh, co-opt additional members um, on the committee. So like I mentioned, Vim Els is the society liaison, and then some of our, our members, I think Ray, I think he, I saw his name here. Yeah. Ray, are you here? Yes, there, there he is. He's the, the, the chair of, of the disciplinary committee, and you'll also, I'm sure you'll recognize a number of the names there, which also are quite uh, formidable and experienced members of the profession. We've got Jonathan Mort, I see he's also on, on our, on our um, on the panel or on the lineup later for today. So um, it's just uh, the members. Okay, so now I've just given you a bit of background on the process, where it comes from, how it relates to the code and so on. So now I'll actually take you through how it works when we, when we actually uh, get a complaint. So typically how it happens is someone phones in, um, they speak to Vim, and um, then they'll tell them about an uh, individual who's, do who's doing certain things or, or did, uh, d um, made a certain recommendation or whatever that they consider uh, is unprofessional. And then, like I mentioned earlier, the, the, the complaint needs to be specific. So if, also if you see something happening that you think it doesn't look right, go back to the code, read through the principles of the code, and then... Uh, actually give um, them a call because most uh, a lot of times what we actually um, see is that people phone in they'll say yes this Willem guy I think he's unprofessional and then we ask but what did he do no man he's just unprofessional so uh, we you actually you actually need to be uh, specific so Vim will actually then he'll get the complaint and if if uh, the complaint is specific and and uh, a specific principle of the code has been broken or is alleged to be broken, Vim will actually then phone the respondent and then you actually get 13, uh, 14 days to, to, to respond. Um, so uh, um, you, you get 13, uh, 13, uh, 14 days to, to actually give a written response to, to, to the accusations. So then the response with the allegation will go to the disciplinary committee and uh, they'll then decide whether to dismiss the complaint or to actually investigate it further. And um, usually when the complaint is, is frivolous, it's not of an actuarial uh, nature, they, they'll dismiss the, the complaint without actually appointing an investigator. Um, but uh, I think in most cases uh, we actually appoint the investigator so that we can show that uh, due process has been followed. So now the, the investigator 
gets uh, appointed. Now he may, he'll obviously have information on the complaint. He'll have information on the response that that that, uh, that the respondent has, has sent through to the VIM. But he might also request further information and speak to other people also to actually uh, put his report together. And then the investigator, he'll take his report to the disciplinary committee, and the disciplinary committee um, will, will, will look at his report, and the investigator will actually make a recommendation um, to, to the, the disciplinary committee, but the disciplinary committee can then apply his mind whether to, to, to follow the, the, um, the recommendation of, of the investigator or, or decide otherwise. So basically what can happen is that the complaint can be dismissed. So um, obviously then the process stops there. Otherwise it can go for mediation. So mediation would typically be where there's a, some sort of a misunderstanding um, where the committee can see, okay, but if they actually sit around the table and they can talk to one another, they can actually sort it out. Arbitration will be, okay, if we see there is a case for unprofessional, unacceptable conduct, but there's sensitive information involved, it might, they might be um, relating to, to, to member, member data or something, then it would be a closed forum. And uh, tribunal is similar, but this is open, open to the public. So, um, so after the investigator now makes his recommendation, the, 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 uh, the committee has decided to take action. They actually declare dispute to the, between the society and the, and the respondent. So the claimant is now out of the process. The society drives the, the, the process forward. So what can happen now? The member can admit guilt, and then obviously the, the, the committee um, if it's unprofessional or the tribunal or the arbitration board, they'll decide on, on, on a sanction. If it's unprofessional conduct, if it's unacceptable conduct, the committee can decide on, on, um, on the sanction. So, um, uh, obviously, uh, in a lot of cases, people actually uh, contest the claim. So, like, like I mentioned, that's where uh, we're going to take the process forward. So, uh, a mediator will be appointed by a council. Um, and um, we've got a, a panel of mediators. Then a tribunal or arbitration board is also appoint, uh, appointed from a, a panel of members and lawyers. And it's a panel, it's, uh, it's the, the board is, is constituted on an ad hoc basis. And will always a, a chair, uh, the, a lawyer will, will chair the board. And then how it works is a respondent, the respondent appoints one from either panel, so you can decide whether you want to appoint the act chair. Um, or the lawyer, and uh, then the two uh, appoints uh, the third person. So, um, like I mentioned earlier, if if it's uh, if you found guilty of unprofessional conduct, the tribunal or the arbitration board they will actually decide on the sanction. But if it's unacceptable conduct, the committee decides um, what the sanction will be. So obviously the next question will then be, but what is unprofessional conduct and, and, and what is unacceptable conduct? So it's uh, quite, a lengthy, um, quite a lengthy definition here. I'm not going to read it for you, but it, what it comes down to is unprofessional conduct basically means it's a material breach of the code of conduct 
and uh, unacceptable conduct means it's a breach. So I don't, maybe um, Ray, you can tell me later on how you decide the difference between unacceptable and and and, um, and uh, unprofessional. Obviously, there's some some judgment involved there. So it's quite a lengthy process, and you see all the various uh, stakeholders involved and so on. So now the, the judgment is made, but members may still appeal. So then an appeal board is, is, is put together by, by council, and um, the board will be chaired by, by a retired judge or a senior council nominated by the Western Cape Law Society. And uh, two former council members will also serve on the board, and that will be appointed, appointed by our council. So let's see uh, what the sanctions, uh, the sanctions are that uh, the committee or the tribunal can, uh, can actually um, 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 declare to, 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 the, to the respondent. So the first one is uh, admonition. So obviously, if it's not so serious, um, they'll have a talk uh, with 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 the with the, the respondent. Uh, what's happened in the past? If say um, a complaint has come in about a standard of work or so, and the the um, committee would like to see, okay, what processes do you have in place? Do you have peer review in place? Do you have certain standards um, that you do your 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 work? And uh, especially in, in areas where we don't have set professional guidance. To actually um, see the processes which 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 company uh, companies uh, actually follow, then further uh, education or training, for instance, um, ethics training or, or something like that. That's also been some of the sanctions that 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 uh, people uh, were given. Then um, withdrawal of a practicing certificate or other uh, certifications for up to two years. A fine of up to ten, 10 million rand. Um, suspension for a number of years, uh, or, or suspension, uh, yeah, they'll decide on a number of years. Expulsion from the profession, so obviously you can't be, become a member um, uh, again. And then in the case of former members or temporary or qualified, maybe, um, uh, yeah, the, the membership may be qualified, or they may be disqualified permanently um, from the profession. So now the, the next question is probably, okay, but if you find me five million, I'll just resign my membership and, and then you won't be able to do anything. But um, then a civil case, in, in, in those cases will actually be open and, and it can be, taken, can be taken to the courts. Yeah, so that's basically um, the process and, and, and the committees and the boards and so on uh, involved. Um, so let's vote again after getting the, 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 the necessary info and so on. Do you think the process is fair and robust? Okay, I see the percentages have increased. So, um, okay, it's a good sign, Christy. Okay. Are you scared now?
So, no, you don't have to be scared. No, and I think, uh, but uh, just say, uh, to, to, there's, a, there's a lot of people involved. We've got a, a good process in place and so on. And it's um, a lot of times we actually, because people bring an accusation, say, against a member. And we then we, we sometimes it's actually better for that member. We can show, okay, but the due process have been followed. You can say you've been through the whole disciplinary process and you find innocence. So it should actually give you give you comfort that we've got a a, a good process involved and, and and good caliber people driving the process. So I'm actually uh, in the interest of time. I'm just going to look at one um, simple case study and. Um, We've, over the last year or two, we've actually received um, a few complaints, which is similar to this case study. Obviously, this is uh, anonymized and so on. The, some of the complaints actually gets very complex, and it will, we can probably spend a whole session just on that. For instance, where there's more members involved, where it's cross-border, where some of the members aren't members of ESA anymore, and so on. Then it actually becomes very complex. So I'm not, we, we're not going to look at, at that case study today, but if you, maybe for internal training or you're interested in the topic, if you want some more information on some of the more complex cases, uh, please feel free just to, to contact me and I can send you some of the, the information. So uh, let's read about Bob. So Bob is a consulting actually and does damages calculations. I think there's a Quite a few of you in this room that also does damages calculations. Now, on this specific case, we had two actuaries doing the same calculation, and the results were very different. They were far apart. And then the one actually later complained against Bob, stating the following one. Bob used the incorrect method. Two, Bob made an error in the report. Three, Bob's report did not include all the relevant detail. And four, Bob did not have the relevant experience. So then the disciplinary committee, they actually uh, looked at the complaint, they looked at the response from the respondent, and they decided, okay, they can't dismiss the complaint, they'll appoint an investigator. So what do you think, um, saying that, that, that what the, 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 the complaint that was actually made, and, and Bob actually made those mistakes and so on, what do you think, what did the, the, the investigator uh, recommend? Seeing that he actually did that, make those mistakes. Sorry. Now, obviously, they get uh, they'll get the report with uh, the findings and everything backing it and so on. Um, but just uh, okay, we've got a a, split, a good split. Yeah, so it probably shows that people didn't really have an idea. Um, But the one thing that I just wanted to actually show from this, even if you sometimes if you make a mistake, and there's not the, the what happened in this case, the the person was found guilty of unacceptable conduct. Even he made all those mistakes and so on was made in the report. But for for that specific case, we didn't have specific guidance in place, and and so on. And, and what flowed from this is that we're actually now in the process of putting up uh, damages uh, guidance and so on. Um, so um, just out of the whole process and we see where the pitfalls are and where we get complaints and so on, then in those areas we'll, we'll actually put, uh, put new guidance out and so on just to guide members.
Okay, so say someone brings a, 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 um, a complaint against you and you actually did make a mistake. Uh, what, would, what would you do? Would you admit guilt or would you contest the complaint? Okay. So we see we've got a couple of fighters here that contest the complaint even if they know they, they're in the wrong. So yeah, so um, hopefully that just gave you a bit of insight into how the, the process works and the, the different uh, um, parties involved and, and, and so on. Hopefully um, you don't find yourself in the situation, but if you do, um, it's, actually, it's actually not that bad and we've got a, we've got a, a robust process in place. So um, I think we've got time for, for a couple of questions. There's a question at the back, as well as one in the middle, and then one up front. Um, so, yeah, go ahead, Jeremy. Can I kick off? Sure. Um, when do you publicize, in particular, if you go the arbitration route, I understand that probably a tribunal decision is made public, but what about an arbitration? Uh, thanks for that question. Like I mentioned earlier, my colleague Wim Els is actually um, <laughs> the guy that should have been here today. Um, but I know, one thing that I can tell you, I know if you found guilty of unprofessional conduct by a tribunal, that definitely gets published. I, I don't know if uh, Christy maybe can uh, give a little yeah, bit more Christy clarity. Or Ray, maybe. Or Ray. <laughs> There's Ray there, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. What we would do is we, we make sure that all the complainants and the respondents are fully briefed and you know, the, uh, the results are communicated to them. But there's not a general, at the moment we don't generally just publish everything. So that's the current practice. I, I guess we should uh, probably communicate it a bit more broadly, but, but that's what's happened in the past. We just, we just talk to the people who are involved. Thank you. Question at the back. Uh, yes, sorry, my question, uh, Neil, please don't, don't refer me to them. I just want to know, uh, do you have any stats in terms of how many complaints you received and whether it's increasing or decreasing? Thanks. Um, yeah, Wim holds that stat, so I, um, <laughs> I can't share any of those stats uh, off heart. Um, but uh, I must say, because um, we get feedback on a, on a quarterly basis at the Professional Matters Board just from the amount of complaints, and I, can, I, I think the complaints have increased over the last year or so. But it might also be a good thing people know that we've actually got the disciplinary process in place and... and we can test whether it's operating and so on. So I think it is increasing, actually. Should we maybe just get Krista to respond to that question? <laughs> Have you got... Uh, do, you, do you want to add anything to that, Krista? Maybe just a general comment about... Um... Maybe just from the perspective of the actual governance board. Uh, I mean, certainly it's, it's a very sober thing, uh, you know, the, the quarterly meetings. 
Um, I definitely an appreciation of the fact that there's a general consensus that historically these things weren't done properly within the profession. Um, we obviously we don't get involved with the, the, the nuts and bolts. You know that's where the, the, the operational detail, if I can say, that resides with Ray and his committee. Uh, we have twice in the course of the last 18 months officially met with Ray in his capacity as the chair. Um, I would certainly say that the AGB is very happy with the general direction in which things are going, the level of detail and. Um, I think um, focus on finishing things, which is now evident in sort of under Ray's chairmanship, um, relative certainly to, to what went before. On the general point of transparency and publication, we fully agree that that's you know, one of the shortcomings. Historically, and, and, and um, um, if people are going to be held accountable, or if we, we can only truly make that claim if there is transparency around all of these issues. Um, and therefore, in principle, we do support more rather than less um, publication. Um, what you may have seen the UK profession do is on an annual basis publish um, the numbers, trends by analysis into you know, the kind of complaints that have been received, what the sanctions were, the sort of different categories. That's great. But having said that, you know, they receive order of magnitude more um, incidents than we would see in South Africa. So we probably won't get there, but definitely when people have done things wrong, and if the process is uh, suitable, then one should be very happy to, to um, publish the facts so that members can learn and you know, that one can very clearly point to the um, fact that we're not hiding anything. <coughs> Sorry about the dramatic voice. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Further question here up front? Well, my question was also quite related to the statistics bit. Maybe just to follow up on what has been raised already. In terms of uh, proportions of the complaints that are received, do we have an idea of how, may, how much are dismissed? No, sorry, Gandhi. I, I actually uh, don't have stats on that. But um, yeah, give me a, send me an email and I'll, I'll find it out for you from them. <laughs> I'm just glad we've got Neil here. Um. <laughs> Uh, turning 30 seems to have like erased most of what he remembers or knows. <laughs> um, are there any are there any further questions? Arthur's got a question. Uh, Arthur, I'll ask just a comment. <clears throat> we had a case recently where there was a complaint against two South African actuaries. Uh, the one complaint went to ASA, the other one went to the Institute by the same person. And in that case, the one who went to the institute was referred back to ASA, who did the investigation, then sent the report back to the institute. So, so there is close working relationship between the various bodies on these. Thank you, Arthur. Um, another question up front? Oh, there's a question there. Hi, Neil. Um, this is more a comment than a question. From a TCF point of view, how would a customer or a member of a retirement fund know how to make a complaint against an actuary, because this has been very informative, and I think a lot of us have learned quite a bit, but I, I don't think it's clear to the public. Um, on our website, uh, there's information on that, and we actually get quite a number of complaints uh, as a, uh, from, from, the, from the general public. So, um, yeah, we can probably publicize it a, a bit uh, wider. But um, people can find that information on, on, the, on the website. And what usually happens, they'll email the president at actuarialsociety.org and Vim will pick it up from there then. 
I'm just thrilled you got the answer. <laughs> Come on, Costa. <laughs> we might have a disciplinary discussion outside later. Then. Just the two of us. Um, I think that concludes the session. Neil, uh, as always, your animated approach to presenting is one that I think we all love to hear and see. Um, uh, we'll know next time not to ask many questions. Um, <laughs> We'll keep that session a lot shorter, um, so as to avoid that, that prospect. But um, on behalf of us all here, thanks very much for your time, your effort, and your commitment to continuing to bring us um, all that you do. And uh, we thank you for your presentation. Thank you.